Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is your host of On the Bench for Better or Worse, Brendan Sinode. I got Josh Newberg. You can hear him say, no oh, boy. Got Chris Snee with me today as well. Hey, fellas, how's it going? Good. I, I knew the vibes when, when you got on and um, we're looking all kinds of silly today. So <laughs> it goes right in we... line with this intro. I missed you guys. I missed this setup. Me and Chris uh, definitely got blindsided by this. Let me just tell you. <laughs> I be, I was a little down last week. People could tell my energy wasn't quite where it needed to be, and I feel rejuvenated. So I'm glad that's being mocked right now. Chris's text message to us before we started the podcast was, let's get this over with. So let's get this over with. Not everyone has the same energy as, as I do this morning. Chris was setting the tone, and you were setting the tone. Two different tones. How do you feel? You're like the man in the middle. I'm ready to get this over with. Got a All little right. bit of information in me. That's you're it. more you're more in the knee in the knee mode. Uh, I got gotcha. you. So let's be recruiting heavy this podcast, but there's a fair amount to to go over, and uh, let's just kind of run down the list here. FSU did a virtual tour this weekend. Uh, they they basically did a video. They teamed with Seminole Productions. It was a three to five minute video. I actually haven't seen the video. I don't know if you guys have yet too. They've kept it kind of buttoned up, but they did send it to various recruits and. Uh, and yeah, so, so they sent out some some stuff to kind of show the facilities and, and give an idea of what the campus was to players who haven't been actually able to see campus. Chris, was it you who caught up with, with someone who's actually seen the uh, seen the virtual tour? Yeah, I talked to Russellville, Alabama offensive guard, Edgar Amaya. He saw it on Saturday. He actually tweeted the pretty cool graphic that comes with it of the tour popping out of a phone. He's a kid that FSU has not offered. He's a six foot three, three hundred pound offensive lineman, listed as a guard by most. He's been dealing with Carl's Lachlan, who we of course know is FSU's director of high school relations. Um, I think he's a kid they're kind of keeping warm, keeping an eye on. He's the kind of kid they probably wanted to bring in for an in-person visit, one to kind of eye up and measure up and get a feel for, and two to build that relationship with. But obviously, circumstances don't allow that right now. Uh, he said it was pretty cool. It was a pretty easy access video. Um, he said it had some of the best facilities I've seen with great football history is what he took away really from watching the video and the presentation. But he said it was good. It was efficient. It was easy to do. He's done a couple others. I believe he told me he had done Kansas's as well, their virtual tour that they're doing. And, uh, you know, he said it held its weight, that it was a good presentation and that worked. And, yeah, from talking to him briefly, it sounds like it served the purpose it's supposed to serve, which is give a kid an introduction to Florida State and kind of, you know, whet their appetite. Now, uh, you know, I presume with some kids, especially those who have offers, we're going to see FSU speak with them further after they do the visit. I don't think that was quite the case with Edgar. Sorry, I was on mute and I was texting Josh if he wanted me to set him up for a question or for him to just jump in. <laughs> so so I guess I'll set you up. The answer was made for me. Uh this is one of several tools that FSU is using to mm-hmm. try to be active in recruiting. We we wrote about that this weekend uh, and spoke to some of the guys in the recruiting operations department and the graphics department. Josh, curious to get your thoughts on just FSU's approach right now and obviously strange times and, and how they're doing basically in the general overview of, of keeping in touch with recruits. I think what they've done is excellent, uh, thorough, um, you know, not leaving anybody out in terms of the graphics or the phone calls. Some of the other things that I've heard them doing is FaceTime. A lot of FaceTime is happening, a lot of group FaceTime um, with the recruit and their family and maybe 
not only one coach, but maybe a couple coaches from FSU as well. So um, some of that video games, this is interesting, but coaches are jumping on and playing recruits in video games. And as you know, you can kind of talk a little trash while you're on there with the headset. And it's just another form of communication. Um, nothing groundbreaking across the across the country. I think the virtual tours are about as, as techy as we've seen things get in recruiting. Um, and really right now, like Chris said, um, this is just kind of used to show the attractiveness of a school, but it still doesn't replace face-to-face contact and and real tours and getting to campus and putting forth the effort that it takes to get to campus. That shows a lot in recruiting as well. So they're doing what they can do for now, and hopefully things open up and we can get kids back on campus soon. You're just trying to stay in the periphery of a kid, essentially. You're trying to mm-hmm. stay relevant, which is the yeah. main thing. It's kind of a popularity contest right now in an odd way. <clears throat> since there's no since there's no spring practice, there's no summer camps, there's no real way to kind of change the the scope of where FSU stands, where FSU stands from a recruiting perspective, they can't do that until the season starts. So it's kind of like this. We just got to, we just got to stay relevant. We just got to stay on the tip of their tongue. We just got to stay in their minds. Like, and, and they're doing it (laughs) so far. So good. I think the thing that they're doing the best is that they're putting a personal touch to it. The graphics are much Mm -hmm. higher quality than we used to see from FSU. Um, you know, I think K camps helped that. I think Kyle, the new guy from Nevada has helped that. I think Adam Van Clay has helped that as well as beefing up that staff with additional hands and people that are good at what they do and intelligent with how they approach. And you have kind of that, that young touch that you need with recruits in the sense of relating to them. You know, we saw the Rod Wave, for example, edit that one out late last week. I think a lot of kids enjoyed that one, found it to be something that they related to. You know, it's important to kind of have that personal touch. And then on the other side, they're showing their multi-pronged with the recruiting efforts because you're also seeing them recruit individually heavily. For example, Jake Slaughter told me he's hearing from FSU and Coach Atkins three to five times a week. Those two have really built a bond. But we're also hearing about kids that are having the entire staff or at least a healthy portion of the staff FaceTime with them at the same time. So I, I think the thing that we've learned about Norvell that approach that uh, applies to this situation is that they put thought into it. That it's, you know, thought out of how they're going to approach each kid. And it's not, we're just going to do this with every kid. It's, you know, there, there's some personal touch to it. And I think that goes a long way as you're working to build relationships in the current climate. And with that in mind, like, so I wrote about the, the graphics and the emphasis on that and how FSU has really beefed that up and, and kind of the timing of it was really fortunate and not obviously uh, ideal, but with, with, not being able to communicate with recruits in the way you normally would face to face. Like Josh said, you're trying to stay on the tip of their tongue. Do have graphics department beefed up and, and the best it's ever been at Florida state. I think that's significant. Uh, one of the critiques in the story that, that some people had was like, Oh, this is just kind of what everyone's doing. But uh, to me, I think that was eye opening that FSU is doing what the big time programs are doing. And they weren't before uh, to shift that and now have be competitive in that regard. And if, if not even like, trend setting in in some regards with what you're doing, like with the video games, they got some national attention for that. I don't know, guys, I want to get your thoughts. I think, I think they're more than just doing what everyone else is doing, but even if you're just on par with other big time programs, that's huge because you were playing from behind up until a a few months ago. Well, I think they've caught up to the times and that they're doing a good job of putting a personal touch to it. I, very few people reinvent the wheel, but you need to have the best wheel available. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think what Florida State's done to kind of recover from all those slip-ups that we saw over the course of the last two or three years, they've overcome a lot and kind of stabilized the program, stabilized um, the standard at which things should be do- be done at that level. And now, you know, they just got to uh, turn it around on the field and everything will come around. And if you think about it, and I don't want to belabor this, we'll move on after in, in a second here, but I've just been going through old podcasts, not intentionally, but I've run through so many while kind of quarantined. I, I don't have a whole lot of new content to listen to. And so my podcast is just keeps going. Like I was listening to a, a new seminal headlines recently, and now just keeps going back to these old ones. And it went to an episode in July, and those guys were talking about the Tamori and Terry 154-day graphic uh, before practice, whereas you know, Terry's 15 and then the four, and it wasn't really clear. And you know, FSU caught some crap for that. And that that was one of many. I still many, don't understand that. I'm still trying to figure that out. It was it was four days until practice. <laughs> but yeah, it, my point being, think about where things were. I mean, with the highly offensive and crazy Martin Luther King uh, graphic and then 154 days. And it's just all, so many weird poorly done graphics or edits going out there to where it's been in the last couple months. Like core competency is the name of the game with so much of what the staff is doing. I don't know if it's revolutionary, like Chris said, but they're not reinventing the wheel. They are, however, uh, the wheels on, on the road, on the roads right now and it's going the right path. So, uh, Chris, I don't want to, you kind of glossed over it just real quick. Let's get into the, the Jake slaughter update that you had on the website. Uh, sounds like Alex Atkins continues to do work on the recruiting trail. Yeah, Jake had had plans to take numerous visits in the spring. Obviously, that got derailed with everything that happened. So the only visit he actually took was early March. He went to Florida State. That was his second visit of 2020 to Florida State. He's taking about a handful of visits from Florida State now, dating back to last summer. Um, He's really worked hard at, and Coach Atkins has worked hard at, developing a relationship with the young man. He's a kid that was very, very interested in FSU under the old staff, and that's carried over to the new staff. I think he's FSU's future center. Right now, FSU, he doesn't call him his leader. He doesn't claim a leader. But he did say that they are certainly a school standing out to a degree because he does have that relationship built with him. The main thing holding him up in the recruiting process is he had hoped to see, you know, West Virginia, Arkansas, Old Miss. I think Georgia Tech and possibly Miami were some of the schools he mentioned. And he obviously can't do that right now. So he's he's having a way, who do I really have to see before I make a decision? versus when do I want to make a decision? That's where he's at. A lot of recruits are there. If they if guys haven't kind of narrowed it down or made a decision here recently, a lot of kids are in the same boat as Jake Slaughter. Do we all have Jake Slaughter crystal balled to Florida State so far? I have not. Done a Mentally, ball. I think I do. I don't know that I've actually done it, though. Uh, Josh just thought of a content item for today. No? Okay. Anyways, portal possibilities. Uh, wrote a little bit about transfer portal guys on Sunday morning. Uh, Josh ended up getting some really good scoop with a few of the names. I expanded me, the me board. Chris and, uh, me, Chris, and Will Fong have them crystal balled. Do you really? Chris, you do have a crystal ball for Jake Slaughter and you don't even know it? I don't pay that, that much attention to my crystal balls. I don't set my watch by my crystal balls. I periodically check the, your balls, but I forgot that you had one in on slaughter. This was yours was on three fifteen, mine was on three twenty, so you had the first first one. There we go. Balls. Okay, go ahead, Brendan. 
All right. So the the transfer portal has been active over the weekend, like the last few days. Uh, and FSU is going to be interested in at least a couple of these guys and uh, at least one more. I think they're going to kick the tires on. We'll see. Let's start off with Fabian Lovett from Mississippi State. Uh, Josh caught up with him. I'll just set the, the table real quick. Or do you No, you're Josh? You go ahead. People don't want to hear from me. You, you do it. All right. On Friday, Mississippi State defensive tackle Fabian Lovett announced his intentions to enter the portal. And less than 24 hours later, he tells me that the FSU staff reached out. Um, on Saturday, he heard from Coach Marv and Coach Lovett. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Coach Norvell. Oh, not so easy, is it, Newberg? Not so easy. <laughs> Lovett was right above Norvell. Um, so Chris Marv and Mike Norvell reached out to him on Saturday and talked. Uh, if you remember, Chris Marv came from Mississippi State, so him and Lovett actually go back uh, Marv coached linebackers on the team while Fabian Lovett played on the defensive line. While they didn't weren't, you know, in the same position room, Marv and Lovett do have a relationship. And so do Norvell and Lovett. Um, they go back to high school. He told me in the in the recruiting update that you can read on Knowles 24-7 that he recruited him a lot back then. They spoke on the phone quite a bit. And um, between Norvell and Marv, there's there's definitely some history there. So we'll see what happens. Um, FSU is definitely all in on this one, but so are a lot of other teams. Lovett tells me he's received offers from UF, Michigan, Michigan State, Oregon, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Houston, and Texas Tech. So I think that's nine right now. I spoke to him on Sunday. We're taping this on Monday morning. He probably has a handful more. I think he's going to be a kid that gets recruited by most schools in the country. Um, I do think Florida State has a legitimate shot here. But he does not have any timetable on when he's going to decide. Um, he told me, I don't know when I'm going to decide. I don't know if I'm going to be able to take any visits. I'm just going to take the process slow right now and see what happens with everything. Um, his tone was even more kind of unaware of what's going to happen. He just doesn't know in terms of when he's going to be able to take visits, if he's going to be able to take visits. And if he's not going to be able to take visits, he said that he's going to have to decide, you know, he's going to still have to come to this decision. It's not going to be easy. He's going to weigh all of his options. So um, early on, I think it's too early to say who a favorite would be, but I definitely think that UF and FSU are going to be, you know, um, in this thing until the end, whenever he decides. Or some one thing to add on. Oh, sorry, for, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say one thing to add for Josh. He did a very good job talking about Fabian. Is that he probably has very good grounds for an immediate eligibility transfer waiver. Um, the reasons he's leaving Mississippi State is what he found to be an offensive tweet by his now former head coach. Um, and you know, I, I think that he would be able to get a waiver because he made this decision immediately after that tweet. It's not like this is something where. He soured on something else and then went back to that as essentially an excuse to depart. He is using that as his reason, and it is something he felt very strongly about. I think he and his father would definitely go to bat for it and make that known. So I think the grounds are pretty strong there for him to get immediate eligibility, even if the NCAA doesn't decide to grant everybody essentially a one-time immediate eligibility waiver, which is something that's somewhat up in the air right now. Yeah, you, and you can check on. out the background on the Clarion Ledger just so people know if you want to know like exactly what was said and what his dad said in response to the Mike Leach uh, meme that that's on the Clarion Ledger if you guys want to check that out. Yeah, and I spoke to this didn't come from Love It. I spoke to somebody else that's familiar with the situation and was told that uh, he is in contact with an attorney. Um, 
again, this is, this is not from love it, but the belief is that he will get the same sort of Justin Fields waiver. Um, there's a lot of confidence there that he's going to be uh, available in 2020 if the season starts and all that kind of stuff. So yes, to, to say what Chris says, this wasn't in the, the update, but yeah, there is a lot of optimism that he's going to be eligible this year. And probably helps explain the, the, intense interest in schools for him because you probably expecting i think everyone's realistically expecting him to be eligible eligible because of the circumstances a little background on love it 19 tackles in a sack last season as a redshirt freshman pff grade was 60.9 uh, so average but he had 400 snaps fsu obviously needs to bolster its defensive tackle room in terms of younger guys uh, that's a big beefy interior defense alignment who has some experience at the sec level would certainly be valuable uh, moving down the list here, William Bradley King, defensive end from Arkansas State. Josh caught up with him. I'll say this. I knew as soon as he went in the portal on Friday, we heard that FSU was interested. I don't think they've offered yet, but they're going to kick the tires on him for sure because, well, he get he gets to the quarterback. He has 90 quarterback hurries in the last three seasons. I think 50-something, I think 54 last year, and he's, he's graded out in the 80s, high 80s uh, on PFF the last two seasons, and in pass rush grade is great out in the 90s the last two seasons so uh he's a guy who who plays a premium position at a at a really high level yeah before i get into the gist of the update um i spoke to somebody that's familiar with nfl scouting and um projecting kids these these kind of gems from lower levels to the to the nfl and whatnot and i was told that um William Bradley King will, will be in the NFL next whenever the season comes around. Um, but he is that good. He's legit. Um, in speaking with William Bradley King, he feels he's the same way. I talked to him for about five minutes on Sunday afternoon and boy, he was, he sounded like he was ready to go. Here's one of the quotes I, I got. Um, w- when I asked him, you know, why he's leaving Arkansas state now, and he had some great things to say about the program there and the head coach there. And he said, it's nothing about them. He said, I want to pin my ears back and go hunt QBs. I want to go one-on-one with the best offensive lineman in the country. Um, when I find the perfect fit, I'll know the right team. This is one of the hardest decisions I've made in my life. I want to make sure this is the right fit. And I asked him about the possibility of making a decision without taking visits. And he said, yeah, that, that is um, possible. And I asked him if he had plans on how he would do that. And he said right now he didn't know. He said he was also going to wait a little bit longer to see if if visits are possible before uh, maybe making a, a, a quicker decision. So he said right now, same kind of deal. He's talking to Florida State. Um, Coach Norvell reached out and said they were interested in a pass rusher. He's also heard from a GA or two. Uh, he said that there was no offer yet, but that they were going to reach back out on Monday. Today's Monday. I'll check back with them and see if anything transpires in terms of an offer. But we do know that Florida State's definitely interested and has reached out. I like it. I like it. You know, with with Justice Reed, I think he would be a nice like luxury to have. I don't know if he comes in and would start over Janarius Robinson or Joshua Kendo, health pending, obviously, but he would be a part of that rotation. Uh, I, I feel like I feel like in the case for for Bradley King, he's someone who would probably be looking to start uh, immediately at FSU or most programs he's at. So uh, that's why FSU does. Uh, he checks out all the boxes in terms of you like that, Chris. Check the boxes in terms of character, in terms of grades, in terms of 
uh, being someone who's a good scheme fit for them, I think they'll go in on him heavily uh, and he would be someone who would probably help out. So uh, FAU tight end, John Rain enters the transfer portal. He got a couple follows, I think from coach Dillingham and, and at least uh, I think it was coach Thompson as well. So position coach and coordinator, uh, both uh, follow John Rain. I don't know if they've had direct contact with him yet, but he was the number two tight end at FAU last year and had 343 receiving yards, six touchdowns, decent metrics somewhere in the 60s. So uh, would be someone who at a position where you don't have a whole lot of proven depth uh, would be maybe take a look at him. And, and we know they've looked at other tight ends in the transfer portal earlier this offseason. Anything on him, fellas, before I move on to the last name? Uh, he's originally from Florida. I remember him as a recruit. I believe he played for Coach Irvin down at Westminster, if I remember correctly. Uh, USF, UCF, FAU were all in on him. I think all of them offered. Had a couple of the out-of-state guys who were good at kind of picking out guys like Utah, I think, was involved. And then I, I know Miami kicked on him, but I don't think they ever offered. But, yeah, he's a fairly well-put-together guy. He's 22 years old. He's been in the game a long time. He'd give you dependable depth and definitely help you in the practice setting and potentially in games as well. All the guys that we've talked about so far would be immediately eligible as graduate transfers. And then love it. Obviously we discussed his, his situation. So uh, last name to mention in the, in the transfer portal that we want to give an update on, I'm going to throw this to Josh. It's Texas offensive tackle Denzel Okafor. Can I, can I read you his PFF grades real quick, Josh? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Remember 60 is average average. Uh, as in 2017, he had 418 snaps. He had a 60.9 overall grade. This past season, he had 235 snaps and a 67.7 overall grade, with most of those snaps coming in the final uh, four games of the season. That's above average to average tackle play. FSU fans are salivating over that right now. Yeah, uh, the options are limited. We get questions nearly every day about portal guys. Um, Chris Murray is a is a name that you can take off of your portal wish list. Chris Murray, the transfer from UCLA, committed to Oklahoma, I believe, in between the last couple podcasts that we've done. So that is worth noting. Um, Chris Murray's off the board. The only other take that I can say in for sure right now would be Denzel Okafor for Florida State. Um, he has been a mostly a backup during his career at Texas. I believe he's, he's started five games in addition to the stats that um, Brendan read. He's six foot four, 310 pounds and put his name in the portal. I want to say about maybe 10 days ago. Now it was, it was during the, the quarantine lockdown, Mar- March 25th for, for right. For what it's- so it seems like it, you know, t- time's a weird thing right now. But he's been in the portal. I know Florida State is interested. I know Miami's interested. Um, there's a lot of teams that have interest right now. Like you said, any average to above average offensive lineman that hits the portal is going to get a lot of interest. Um, but I talked to some people that are familiar with this situation, and they're not convinced that he's going to leave Texas. Um, the timing to those that I talked to that know him, some of this timing it was a little bit weird. Um, in the fact that he did it, you know, not before spring, not after the season, but during quarantine. And there's some that believe he might end up back at Texas. But that being said, um, I would consider him a take if he does indeed leave Texas and has interest in FSU and things start moving in that direction. I would definitely take it serious. My armpits get sweaty during the middle of podcasts. I don't know if it's anxiety. I don't know. It's anxiety. Probably. 
why we're got to relax to let it breathe to let it breathe all right probably not the best timing to go to, to go to a commercial break uh, i'm sure sponsors do not want to be associated with with my armpits but yeah here's what it is great time for a deodorant ad Oh, maybe that's maybe that's what we're gonna have on the way up, or maybe it's like a KY jelly ad. Or I was gonna say it would, would probably be, it would probably be more fitting if we get that one. Now, now I have visions of you lubing your armpits. <laughs> Brendan uses the lube as hand sanitizer. I think he walks and just hear like squeak, 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 squeak. <laughs> he lubes up to go to Publix. <laughs> Most people just hand sanitize themselves. I did go to Publix. Have you guys gone out to Publix or grocery stores recently? Yeah, I went yesterday. Would you? I I wore a bandana around my around my. Yeah, mouth. I had a I, whole, I had a whole setup. I'll send well, you a photo. Well, <laughs> You're gonna, set up a visual for our listeners, real quick. I had a face mask on. I had a headband and a uh, beanie, so you could just barely see my eyes. <laughs> I don't think a ninja going into into public, and my girlfriend was just staring at me. She just she just shook her was head. She, was she not in the same getup, or she just sent you out and judged you? Uh, no, she had nothing on. <laughs> oh, well, that's one way to do it too. Uh, I went in with a bandana over my mouth, so I felt like like an old like Western uh, train robber or something like that. But I also had on my glasses because I didn't have goggles or anything. And so I had glasses on, then I had a hat on as well to try to keep it all together. The issue, though, is the bandana keeps falling, uh, and so I'm having to pick it up with my pinkies on the side, and I imagine it defeated the purpose. Anyways, I say all this because we do <laughs> we do have a, a, a shout-out for a local business that's doing some really cool stuff. One, just with their normal product, but two, to help people out with hand sanitizer. This hand sanitizer is not uh, the same liquid that Josh uh, Newberg mentioned earlier. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Ology Brewing. And I, I spoke with Nick over email last week and, and got all the information for you guys because they're doing some really cool stuff. I think Chris has has talked about their product before, not on on air, but he's told me a lot about Ology and and likes it. So they do some really great brewing stuff. They're known for like their hazy IPAs. And and if you're into the Tallahassee beer scene, you know what Ology is. But they, uh, they recently started a, a distilling operation and uh, they did that before all this started and they've converted that into a... Uh, basically they took that distilling license and they turned it into working into making uh, FDA approved hand sanitizer. They just launched that in the past week. So they have hand sanitizer to give to people during a shortage. Uh, in addition, they're still brewing and they're, and they're taking a lot of precautions with their beer and, and basically doing like a curbside pickup deal. Only a few people are allowed into the actual, uh, into the actual brewery. So they're being really safe, really cautious. And obviously they have a product that, that I think Chris Nee can endorse. We can endorse and say is a uh, is a fine beer. Uh, yeah, so I'm gonna go ahead and, and give you guys the address for Ology Brewing. It's at Midtown, uh, 118 East Sixth Avenue. Nick is who I've talked to from Ology Brewing. Again, they're doing some cool stuff. One with their normal product, but then two with the uh, with the hand sanitizer as well. So support local businesses, be safe while doing so. All right, we're going to take a commercial break and then we're going on to uh, to the second part of the podcast. We have a few more recruiting updates for you guys. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back to On the Bench. I promise no more armpit talk or KY jelly talk or... I guess I'm talking about it now, aren't I? Stop apologizing, Snow, and the people I'm not are tired apolog- of you apologizing. An, it wasn't an apology. Thank you, Chris. You know what? Everyone, you guys included, people who don't like me apologizing, go f*** yourselves. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm, let's go to Marius Mims. Put out his top 10 the other day. FSU is in it. He actually listed them like in the order of a top 10, which is if you're going to do it, like I like that. It's uh, some substance to it. And FSU was technically in the top six. So uh, so that's a, a big-time prospect for FSU. He is uh, one of the best offensive tackles in the country, high up on their board. I know Alex Atkins is putting in a lot of work trying to make up some ground after the last staff. Really didn't impress Mims, quite frankly. Uh, do we have anything that you guys want to add on on Mims? I, I think it was significant to, to show what they were doing to have an outside shot at him. He had planned to visit, I believe, either in late March or for his spring game, but he did have plans to make it back to FSU. That would have been an important visit. FSU's fighting an uphill climb there. It's a Georgia-Alabama battle at the top, and I really think those two are very much segmented from the other eight. Yeah, I think the staff's worked really hard to to remain in it with Mims, but I can't hype this one up. This is just – I. This is one that I I think, um, like Chris said, Georgia, Alabama, top dogs in the country right now. They're going to be the top dogs in this recruitment. I think it's more symbolic, which it doesn't probably mean a whole lot. Like finishing sixth or third or second doesn't really matter in recruiting, but just shows how far the staff, like how far FSU has come under Alex Atkins with recruiting the offensive line. Like FSU wouldn't have been in the top 10 more than likely if this was done under the previous staff. That's all I'm saying. So, yeah, I think it's unlikely that FSU makes gigantic headway, but they're going to give it a shot. Another guy who I want to talk about, and this is someone that I know, I, th- I think all of us have crystal balls in for him. That's Destin Fat Paisan. Paisan? 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 Paisan. Four-star wide receiver from Louisiana. Gabe Brooks put, put one in for him uh, yesterday, and we had Gabe on the podcast last week to talk about, about Fat. But you guys haven't been able to discuss him and, and why you viewed FSU as uh, as probably the leader for him. So, Josh, I know you put in the crystal ball for Fat. Please explain why. And then, Chris, you can correct me and tell me whether you have or haven't yet because I didn't check before. Uh, follow the visits. Two visits to FSU this offseason. He narrowed his list to a top five. The Knowles made it. He said that he might be making a decision soon, connecting the dots, talking to sources. I feel, felt good. Um, was it, Has it been about a week now that – yeah, they listed that top five. Who knows? Yeah, it could have been a week. It could have been a day. It could have been a month. <laughs> Time is a flat circle, but here we are. Um, I think there's a possibility he could pull the trigger this week. Did he ever set a, a decision date or just said that it could be soon? No, but talking to Will Fong, who spoke to him, Will Fong felt like it, there was a fair possibility it was coming the next, you know, 7 to 14. Right. So we'll see. 
could be this week, could be next week. But I think if he does make that decision in those in that time frame window, then I think it's going to be Florida State. Oh, I'm muted. I was muted. More knee ball talk. Do you uh, did you put your balls in? Did you dip your balls in the water there? Yeah, sorry. I got a text from Shay Dixon about him as we were talking about him. So Ooh. I took a minute to look at that. Sorry, I zoned out. Um, is it is anything is he is he committing? No, it uh it's you don't have to latest intel on LSU's two four seven Cristobal Tigers landed a new prediction for a four star in Texas plus a big wave of predictions made for one of Louisiana's top prospects prospects to pick FSU and it's talking about pays on. Um it's probably Gabe's yeah, and I think it's just a recent wave. And yes, I'm among crystal ballers for bat to FSU. Um, that's one where FSU's done a really good job of doing a multi-pronged attack. Kenny Dillingham's been a big part of it. Yak's been a huge part of it, as he is with anybody in Louisiana. And uh, Coach Dugans has been a big part of it, and obviously Coach Norvell. And he's a kid they love. They want. They They identified him. They believe they had a chance with him. Um, I had a really good conversation with somebody associated with the staff probably about a month ago now, back when we were allowed to have human relations. And uh, <laughs> we were discussing why they've made such an effort in Louisiana as compared to, you know, making an overly insane effort in like Miami, for example. Like, how do you balance that decision? One is relationships. Yak is very well liked in New Orleans and Louisiana as a whole, but especially in the New Orleans area. Um, did a lot of work there, very successful guy there, very well liked there, done a great job recruiting prospects there for the entirety of his coaching career. The other thing is that with Louisiana kids, the pecking order is kind of easy to figure out. You know, it's LSU, and then Alabama's the next one. Sometimes Texas A&M's in there. But really, it's LSU and Bama. If, if a kid's willing to pass on those two, you can be the next one up, and you'll have a real legit shot if the kid's willing to walk from those two or isn't interested in one or both of those. So that's kind of why they were willing to make an effort with a kid like Fat. And we've seen them make a, make a big effort offering a lot of kids in Louisiana for 21, 22, 23. Um, I think that's a trend that continues. I think it's an area where FSU is going to try to harvest, you know, two to five kids in a given class every year. And I think they think highly of the kind of kids you can get out of that area because the competition is so high. And Fat's one of those guys where if you do get him, Suddenly you have him, you have Ja'Kai Douglas, you have a couple guys that can get in the ear of another kid from the area and convince them, hey, make that check down I-10, make it east to Tallahassee and come play with us at Florida State. So I think that's kind of the effort here and why fat would be a big piece of the puzzle for them going forward in the efforts they've made in that area. In New Orleans areas, I mean, it's as easy to get to Tallahassee from there as it is Miami for what it's worth. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially about an hour shorter, I think, time-wise. So, yeah. And I imagine we'll see Miami get cranked up as you are able to establish relationships and, and continue that. But, yeah, like you said, Chris, but, right now it's relationships. And also one one thing I want to get your thoughts on, Louisiana has like six four-star wide receivers this year. So yeah, really it's really smart for FSU. It is. It's a great year for it. Uh, and obviously LSU is going to get its pick of the litter because what their offense just did this past year. But – Really smart for FSU to kind of identify as like saying, okay, they can't take all of them, uh, and and you find a guy that you like there. It's, it's, it's and another, another, another thing that in the uh, Louisiana versus like Miami, and that's just an example, but that situation is in Miami, it's free agency. You don't know where the hell the kid's going to go. Miami isn't keeping the kids home. FSU isn't. 
Florida's had some success down there, but not enough to say they're putting a fence up. You know, Clemson comes in there. Alabama comes in there. Utah comes in there and yanks one or two here and there. You know, everybody's able to go in Miami and compete. There's not a pecking order. With Louisiana, to believe this staff, and I do agree to a certain extent, there is a pecking order. It is very clear who one and two usually is going to be. There's kind of a known third with A&M being that team right now. But after you get beyond those three, you, you got a real shot. And you're in free agency with others, but you got a real shot. And FSU believes they have relationships to make that shot legitimate. And I think we're seeing that happen in this case. Okay, so we started off the podcast by broadly discussing what FSU has done with recruiting, with, with the restrictions. Now looking forward, like we've seen in the past few days, the, the transfer portal heat up a little bit. Josh, wh- what do you think FSU does from here? Like, what does the next couple weeks look like in terms of how they're going to utilize their resources with the limited, you know, the limitations with recruiting? What do you mean in terms of the portal or in terms of recruiting prep athletes? R- recruiting in general. I mean, it could be, are they focusing strictly on transfer portal guys? Are they recruiting prep athletes? Are they going to be extending a bunch of offers? Like, what what do you foresee FSU doing in the next couple of weeks like what is what is the next week of recruiting coverage well, going to look like portal, for us the portal strategy won't change if anything <clears throat> there's just more eyes on it now because everybody's sitting at home doing nothing <clears throat> i think that um florida state will continue to evaluate any options to enter the portal uh, they'll jump on those guys immediately if we, as we've seen if it's a guy like you said that's average or above average at, at a position of need for fsu they're probably going to reach out to them and they're going to make contact um whether or not they get offered, uh, we'll report on that as it happens. But pretty much anybody that jumps in the portal, FSU knows about right away and is going to evaluate. Um, in terms of prep, moving forward, talk to a couple sources. I think in the next two weeks, we're going to see a lot of 2022 and 2023 offers. The staff has been very diligent in evaluating tape over these last couple weeks. And I think we're going to see some results of that kind of happen slowly. I don't think we're going to see like a day where – you know, there's 10 or 12 guys get offered in a day, but I think over the next 14 days, we're going to see quite a bit of offers going out to underclassmen. One thing to add to Josh's point is I was looking at, I've been trying to catch up with 21 kids here recently during the slowdown. And I was looking at the offers and guys that are in it with and guys that are in contention with, and there's very few positions in 21 where I feel like you're left for answers. Like you're trying to figure out who's number one, two, three, four, of the pecking order of who they're trying to get out of position of need, for example, like quarterback, they got their dude. I don't think they're seriously considering another quarterback running back. We saw them extend a couple offers last week. I think that's an expanding the board situation where they have a few guys they like that they're definitely in it with, you know, Jalen white and Alabama comes to mind. K1 Powell just West of us here on I 10 comes to mind, but then you saw him go to Louisiana offer. Or I'm sorry, Texas and offer a kid, California and offer a kid. And I think they like both of those kids a lot because they kind of are tailor-made to what they want the back in this class to definitely be. And they might take one, they might take two backs. We know they liked a lot of different things at that position. And then other positions, O-line, we kind of know to board. D-line, and they they probably still have a little work to do there, but I think they got a few guys they feel real good about on the D-line, and I think they want to let those play out a bit before they start making moves on other guys. So I think right now they're in a pretty good spot with 21. They've evaluated it well. They've created relationships well. They've kind of figured out who and what they can recruit in that class and have a pecking order to it. So I think now it's kind of that evaluation, essentially a simulated spring 
of let's watch as much video of kids as we can, collect as much information as we can, and start offering some of the kids that are going to create the board for the coming years, 22-23. So I think, like Josh said, we're going to see a push with those classes. Has pecking order become your new check the boxes? Sure. If you want it to be, it can be. It can be whatever you want it to be, Sanon. I don't really care. All right, last last aspect that we want to go over before we wrap this up. Probably like the most viewed story that we had on the on the website this week, which is funny because I didn't even write it. It was an aggregation off of uh, of what my buddy Tom D'Angelo at the Palm Beach posted. But he's he's down in you know West Palm Beach area and was able to set up an interview with James Blackman. James Blackman is back home. You know, we've talked about some guys stayed in Tallahassee, someone home. James Blackman went home, and it's kind of what James Blackman is doing to stay sharp, which is throwing the ball a lot to some college-level wide receivers from from the Muck area. And uh, among the interview that that Tom had, and you can check out his story at the Palm Beach Post, uh, James Blackman had some comments about the coaching staff this spring and what he saw, and not surprising given what he said to us before on the record uh, when we talked to him earlier this spring, but it was a little bit more of an elaboration on that. And, and here's the quote. Uh, when asked about the practices, said it was a lot more structured, a lot more organized, a lot more intense. The coaching was a lot better. The way they coached, the enthusiasm, the passion, those things stood out to me. So I, you know, I, Tom called me before he did the uh, interview and was just kind of get some background and whatnot. So I knew Tom was writing the story, and Tom sent me that uh, that quote before he published it and was like, hey, he, he said this. So I want to get you guys' thoughts on it. I mean, I know this is what we've already thought of how James viewed the last coaching staff uh, and how the last coaching staff viewed him. Uh, but he's been pretty upfront in saying that he thought thing that he thinks things have been much more buttoned up under coach Norvell. Curious to get your guys thoughts on, on those comments. Well, I certainly think that's true, but at the same time, I think most players usually say they love a new coaching staff when they're new. So you always got to take it with that grain of salt. But I think the, I saw two practices, you saw three. I think in the limited amount we saw, it was clearly a more well-organized, well-oiled machine. It was. It was undoubtedly. And like you said, Chris, the the nuance there is, yeah, it always is going to look great early on when everyone is bought in and invested. You have to see how that works uh, long-term. I'm pretty sure James said nice things about, about the way the things were going with the last staff when they first started here too. Uh, but the messaging... The theme has been organization, intensity, structure. Like those are keywords that keep getting brought up over and over again by anyone you talk to. I mean, we had uh, we had uh, Love Taylor on the podcast last week, the the transfer tackle from FIU, and he was talking about the intensity that Coach Norvell brings and and the way that things are organized in practice. So these are common themes that you're hearing from guys who've been under different coaching staffs. They've they've seen a level of that organization. That was my takeaway. Some people wanted to get on James for for him passing the buck and blaming the last coaching staff for some of his issues. I don't think that's what he's doing necessarily. He's saying that he feels like he didn't get the best coaching in the world. And uh, I mean, are we going to argue that? No. And he was also a kid very much left on an Island by the last staff for a lot of his time under Willie. He didn't know exactly where he stood. He knew he wasn't all the way in with Willie that Willie wasn't all the way in on him. But at the same time, he didn't know if they were cutting bait, moving on and done with him. So, I'm sure there's some, to some degree, you know, even if unintentionally hurt feelings there. And I know James, I'll put it this way, like for for the people criticizing him regarding these comments specifically, 
James is also taking responsibility for needing to keep his emotions in check and, and having to be more careful with the ball. So it's not like he's blaming everything on the last coaching staff. He's not doing that. In fact, this was just a quote from a story. There's a full story and he's been on record other times as saying like, I need to be better at these things. We all know James strengths. We all know his weaknesses. It's well documented to this point. Uh, I, I will say the encouraging thing. If you want to go beyond just the quote, which was obviously the headline and the most interesting aspect from the story, uh, but if you want to go and look at what Tom wrote, James is working hard. He's working diligently. He feels like he has a decent grasp of the offense and what they installed through a few days. Uh, but he's throwing the ball regularly to teammates or former teammates, I should say, or guys in his area uh, to stay sharp. So I think that's the takeaway is James is taking this very seriously. He seems very bought in on this coaching staff. I think that was going to be a big storyline on the spring is how they viewed him and how he viewed them, you know, vice versa. And I think both parties involved are fairly confident in each other right now. I think that's my takeaway from the spring and and then seeing this story afterwards kind of confirms that. Um, Yeah. So I'm going to stick the landing. Is there anything else, guys? I think we're sticking the landing. We're sticking the landing. All right. For Chris Nee, Josh Newberg, I'm Brendan Sinone. I think we lost Josh like five minutes ago. I'm here. Uh, I I was enjoying your long-winded answer. No better way to end the pod. All right, we'll talk to you guys in a couple days.